Howdy, yo! Welcome into South of Scruffy Podcast. My name is Ben Fields. It's my podcast. It's a new year. We made it. We did it. Please don't say it's going to be your year. Not yet. We'll decide about March or April if it's going to be our year or not. I'm glad you guys are here. I've got uh, got a good show for you today. My oldest friend, one of my oldest friends, Josh Lowry, is here. Was here. Uh, Josh is an editor in Los Angeles. He's been out there for almost 18 years now. Uh, he works in the reality television space. And he is an editor on network television shows. So he's he's doing the thing, man. He's made a great life for himself out on the West Coast. And uh, he and I actually moved out to California together when I moved out there in 2004. Brought him along with me. And uh, the rest is history. I left. He stayed. We talk a little bit about that. Hope everybody had a, a wonderful New Year's Eve. We just hung around the house. Got some loco Knoxville little delivery on the app, the Loco Knoxville app. You should check that out if you hadn't already. That gives money to local restaurants, which is what we're going to do this year. We're going to we're going to be more local. Help keep our uh our local businesses, our local restaurants who've had a tough couple of years. Help them uh continue to bounce back. All right, let's get into my chat with my one of my oldest friends, one of my best friends. The man, Josh Lowry. We're doing the podcast. How you doing? Good. How's Los Angeles? It's fun, man. It's yeah. fun, yeah. You've been out there a minute now. Yeah. How long? Since 2004. Okay. God, man. It's a while. Yeah. It's uh, almost half your life, dude. Mm-hmm. So uh, explain kind of what you do. Um, I'm a reality TV editor. So I cut video to music with music and sound effects for a lot of different reality shows. I'm freelance. So I go, I do a season of a show and then go on to another season of something else. Yeah. And uh, so it's storytelling and like how long are the shows? 30 minutes, an hour? Usually an hour, yeah. Usually an hour mm-hmm. long, except like season premieres and season finales. And two hour, all... yeah, you get two hour episodes a lot. How long does it take to edit an episode of like Dancing with the Stars or something like that? Probably six weeks, and then for a rough cut, and then weeks and weeks of notes through the production company, and then the network. Okay, so you're looking at uh, uh, probably three months. Roughly. Yeah, yeah, probably roughly three months. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what was the, what was the uh, path like getting to be an editor? Because you worked your way up, and it doesn't you don't just show up and you're editing shows that go on NBC, ABC Network Television. You got to kind of, you got to kind of work your way through it. Right. Work your way up. Yeah. So I did some cable shows early, like or, or, or I started out as a PA, and then. Um, on Extreme Home Makeover, where I lived for about three years, I working on up. that one show. Yeah. Okay. As it was a, PA? a few. It was a, one of the few like year-round jobs Ooh. where I didn't have to like get other jobs in between seasons. Okay. So, so it was like having a full-time job. Yeah. Okay. 
just working for one show, one mm-hmm. franchise. Okay. And you were a PA on that for three years? Um, I was a PA on different shows leading up to that. I was in, I worked in the tape library on that show. Okay. So that's and on then, the post side. Yeah. Okay. So like sh- uh, they're out shooting the show and the, and the tapes get shot and then they have to come back and get cataloged and all that. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're working, working in a, in, in a library. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's your first step from PA. Yeah. Okay. How long are you doing that? Um, I did, I think a season and a half, probably of that show, which was probably about a year. Okay. Okay. And then I was, and then I started, uh, assistant editing. Okay. How did you, uh, how did you decide that you wanted to make the move in post and make a career out of it instead of going out and shooting? Or, you know, whatever side. Was it just because you landed in the tape I library? Did. I mean, I grew up in post. I, the, my whole PA experience was as a post PA. So gotcha. I never really had jobs in the field at all. Okay. I've always been in post. Okay. And then so it was just a it was a natural progression just to get mm-hmm. as high up in that world as you, yeah. can, as you can be. Yeah. Well, okay. I saw the editors. I saw what they did. And I thought this, I had, I'd always thought I wanted to be a producer because that's what sounds cool you know yeah. growing up you don't know but then when i get into it it's like editing fits my personality so much more just because uh you can sit by yourself and work and yeah. you don't want to be bothered yeah 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 and it's a good creative outlet yeah you still get to tell stories yeah you just get to tell it your way i mean you know they say it's told you know three times when it's written when mm-hmm. it's shot and when it's cut and so you get a big part of of being able to tell that final story yeah absolutely and and even more so probably in reality television than in other other fields of editing uh, scripted right. work right so it's completely unscripted and so yeah. the burden is more on the editor and the producer and yeah the you really piece it together and like make it work yeah you take what really happened and make a a, a dramatic story out of mm-hmm. it okay so out of the tape library where'd you go um, I assistant. started assistant editing. Okay, and so I was a, the, an assistant editor on Makeover and uh, Extreme Makeover Home Edition, and um, and then a buddy called me, who was an editor who I'd become friends with, and he got his first uh, co EP gig. He was running post for a show, so he called me and he was offering me an editing position. Um, so I quit Makeover. And moved on to another gig. Yeah. In a higher position. Right. As an editor. Yeah. Assistant editing in reality is not, you don't edit at all. You're like, you run the technical side of things and deliveries and. Yeah. It's the liaison between the tape library and the editor. Right. Right. Yes. (laughs) You're kind of getting it in a workable format to where the editor can really just sit and tell stories and Mm -hmm. doesn't have to worry about organizing stuff and and all that. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So how long were you an assistant editor before you moved up? Two years. Two years? Yeah. Okay. That's not bad, man. So so you're you're editing, you know, three or four years into this gig. Stuff that's and you said cable was where you started? Yeah. And those usually have lower budgets, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Generally. What does that mean for some there's some big cable shows, but they have big budgets, I guess. But yeah. But most of the big money is on the networks. Right. The big ones. Right. Okay. So what was the first uh, cable gig that you got a, a job on? <laughs> can you say it? Uh, yeah, I can. It was called Hitched or Ditched. Okay. It was uh, 
not a show that I would ever watch or, <laughs> or you know, even admit I worked on. <laughs> <laughs> you just did. I'm so sorry. Um, but yeah, and then there were probably several other shows of like that, that nature. Yeah, yeah. Uh, matchmaking shows or what? Yeah, bachelor style. Yeah, shows. I worked on an auction show. Were you auctioning for, off people? Uh, North South. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, what was what was that? Auctioneers, it was called. Oh, okay. North South has been has been around here for a long time, man. Yeah. Did you know those guys from here? Or did you just meet them in LA? I met them out there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Didn't you work on some a Jupiter show mm -hmm. also? Yeah. Not from knowing anybody in Knoxville, just getting hired. Um, actually, I I don't remember exactly how I got in t put in touch with them. But I did come and meet them here in Knoxville. Okay. And I toured the office, and then they let me know that they had this show coming up, and they and they hired me for it. Was that Sons of Guns? Yes. That was their. That was a big show for them. It went quite a few seasons. Did you work on all of them? No, I did the first few. Okay. And moved on. What network was that on? That was cable too, right? That was on Discovery. Okay. I believe. Okay. So, so do the the budgets go up and your editing staff size go up the 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 bigger the cable network you're on or the or if you're at one of the big networks? Do sorry, what was the question? Do do the, the budgets go up and yeah. your editing yeah. staffs get bigger? And yes, absolutely. Yeah. Does the burden and, shrink the the more money there is for you? Are you having to do a heavier lift on a low budget, uh, sh unscripted show with storytelling, or is it the same all the way around? It's never the same, but it's completely unpredictable how it's going to be like from job to job. Okay. Um, that's why you find the people that you like to work for. So the, the EPs and the, super, yes. and the post supervisors and all yeah. that. Cause, cause internally is where you end up generally like, right. You know, running into more people that want to like actually put their, you know, pr footprint on the product and mm. will go note, you know, just note it to death. Yeah. Do note pass after note pass after note pass and just keep changing things just to change things. Like you can, you can work on a show forever. You know, just never ends. Yeah, I mean, I have. I worked on a What's episode good? one of a show for a year. Really? Yeah. Um, but that's good if you're a freelance editor, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, because you're getting paid by the day or whatever. Yeah. I mean, yeah. C come on, give yeah. me give me another totally. round of revisions. Totally, but you know, when, you know, it can it becomes less. Yeah, you burn out. Satisfying, on it. totally. Yeah, because you're you're ultimately changing stuff back to your first rough cut right. after a while. Right. You're like, man. It kind of takes the fun out of it. Yeah. It's like eventually you'd want to look at something else. So what was your first big network job? That might have been um, probably Secret Millionaire. Okay. Which what? was an uh, ABC show. Okay. They uh, They came to Knoxville, actually, and did something here. Did they really? Yeah. They had an episode here. Okay. I didn't know that. Um, when was that? Probably 2011, I would guess. Okay. So you're a few years into, into editing now. Mm -hmm. Okay. Is that the next, is that the next step going from a cable show to a, to a network show? Yeah. That's where you want to be. Yeah. And then, and then eventually like union, you want to get an editor's union. Yeah. Oh, and you did that, right? Mm -hmm. How, that's a funny story. Like, I mean, it happens to, it happens all the time, but didn't a right. show, didn't a show flip? Yeah. A show flipped. I had, uh, 
started on it. And then it was um, a non-union show when you started. Right. Okay. And then um, I actually helped them with like in the casting process. So I started on the show pretty early and then I left or I did another show in between while they shot the season. And then I came back to do post and they had flipped while they were in the field. So I would have had to like pay to be, to become a union member. And, um, but since I had worked on the show before I got grandfathered in. And so you and went just to, be, so I was, I was just like, yep. And you're in the union now, you don't have to do anything. It's like, and that's a big milestone. Yeah. 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 I mean, it, the health insurance is really good. Yeah. pension plan and yeah you want to you want to be in the union yeah it's it's just it's, they it's, make sure you're taken care of sure and then do you get more jobs because you're in the union do you feel more legit no uh no no it's more just i mean some of my favorite jobs are not union shows so um you just have to like meet the quota you just have to it's just a something you have to keep up you like got to work a certain amount of union gigs a year. Right. Yeah. To keep your insurance and all that mm -hmm. stuff. Have you ever been picketed or any strikes or anything? There was almost one just recently. Really? A strike. Like we were going to start striking the next day and then the day before they reached an agreement. Uh, was it, uh, gosh, it wasn't WGA, was it? Yeah. Was it? Mm hmm So the Writers Guild had a beef and... So the whole union... Yeah. Was going to strike. Right. And then so they worked it out at the 11th hour and yeah. everybody worked on Monday. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I remember no, there... I haven't had to. And what? It, but I've never had to pick it or yeah. anything. I've never. I was on one show that got shut down. It was a commercial shoot. They got shut down, got picketed. It was in uh, Dayton, Tennessee. And it was, uh, uh, we were shooting with the, uh, the head dude on the duck call show. What was it called? Um, uh, was it Duck Hunter? Duck Dynasty. Duck Dynasty. Yeah. yeah, that dude came in, and we were shooting like we were shooting something for Citizens United, which is, you know, big super pack. But uh, I didn't know what it was. I was just working. I was just getting paid a day rate, and uh, there was just you know political stuff involved because it was with a super pack, and so the union got involved because they were adversarial with the you know with the pack. And uh, they ended up sending two union reps down from New York to pick at this shoot that was just a one-day, one-off shoot. And uh, the, it was mixed crew because Tennessee's a, a right-to-work state, so you can mix union and non-union crews together. Half of our crew was union. They couldn't cross the picket line and work. So the shoot got shut down. Didn't, didn't happen. What sucks is that the guys in the union got paid for that day. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but that's like that's it. If I would have if I would have been in the union, I'd have been on the right side of it. So it is, you know, it 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 protects it protects what it's supposed to. Mm -hmm. It seems like LA's a huge union town. Yeah. Yeah. So uh what are some other ones after after that first network show that you've done? Um, did, did you work on Amazing Race or something like that? Yeah, that's what I'm working on right now. Oh, you are? Mm-hmm. Okay. What season is that show in? 33. Oh, wow. So they've yeah. done two a year for 15 years? Yeah. Or 16 years? Yeah. There's wow. probably some years where they did one a year, but... What network's it on? CBS. Okay. Been there the whole time on that? It's been on that yeah. network the mm -hmm. whole time? Man, mm -hmm. what a cash cow. Mm-hmm. And you've worked on it before, though? This is my third season okay yeah 
How many crews do they have out shooting at this at one time? Oh man, I mean they have a little crew with each team, so they start out with eleven teams. Wow, are they all shooting at the same time? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's pretty legit. You're not having to do a lot of time warp, time bending no. stuff. No, I mean you make you want to like make it seem like there's you know. A race, you know, if it's cl- if it's not close, you're still gonna make it interesting. Yeah, there's know? there's there's urgency, right? Exactly. You Thank you. Yes. Impart the urgency, right, to the viewer. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's fun. So, uh, what's the next step from if you want to move on from editing? Like, you can kind of go in a couple different directions, can't you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, but you seem to dig it. I mean, you've been doing it. I do over ten years, and I and I, yeah, I mean what you can do is be a co-EP and run post where you would hire your team of editors and then, you know, manage it and then give them the notes, yeah. you know, watch the cuts and everything. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know that I'm even interested in doing that. I really? Mean, Sounds like a management job and you're, yeah. you've got, you know, you're not just telling one story in an episode. You're now telling a half of a season or, you know, mm-hmm. your arc is, much bigger it seems like your purview is probably a lot bigger it sounds like a more stress it certainly is yeah. and um yeah i don't know I'm, I'm pretty happy editing i think i don't i don't really i've never really had a desire to to seek that yeah i mean i might try it if it fell in my lap but do editors ever go on to be like post-production supervisors or post-production coordinators not really really because no, that's not really that's more of a producer job yeah it's not a creative job right so if you're an editor, generally, you're going to stay on the creative side. That's more management, yeah. scheduling, you know, and yeah. So you're digging it, dude. I, yeah. I love it. Yeah, it's fun, man. It is. It's like always working on something new. You know, it's not always. You know, you you. Once you're doing it long enough, you get to pick. You know, you can work where you want, and it's like. I right. get to work on shows that I really enjoy working on. Good. And you think you're going to stick with reality TV? Do you ever want to venture I would, out? I would love to. I would love to uh, cross over. Really? Yeah. Is it's, there a barrier there? very separate. Yeah, it absolutely is. Yeah. There's it's se- very separate worlds, the scripted world and uh, reality. And um, you could have done a million reality shows and been one of the top editors in town and a scripted show is going to look at your resume and not hire you (laughs) just because all you've done is unscripted work right you're the wrong tool for the job right yeah it makes good sense yeah you pretty much have to go over to that world in ae i mean it does happen obviously where some editors cross over without just you know knowing a producer that crosses over whatever it is right i like scripted work better i think i i would too i know i would yeah Um, because you get to work more with nuance you're not mm -hmm. you're not spending all your effort um it's like you're more of a trim carpenter than you are a framer. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, because because the all the pieces you know fit together, and then you get to kind of get nuanced with it and spend your energy in that direction. It's a lot of fun. I've cut I've cut both of them, not to any level like like you have, um, but that's just my like my knee jerk. Is it scripted stuff for me? It's a little bit a little bit easier and a little more fun. Yeah, uh, a little bit easier. Yeah. 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 
I think so. I, I, I think it's easier to move like pieces into place that are that right. somebody thought about totally when they built them. Yeah, <laughs> not just absolutely. Yeah, like here's a bunch of stuff. Right, make something. Yeah, it's a very different job as an editor to work on a scripted show. I'm sure. So, uh, <laughs> I think the story of how we uh, of how we we met is pretty funny. Because we've known each other for almost 20 years now. We've been mm-hmm. super tight the whole time. Um, but uh, we met because we got uh, we got a job at the Ruby Tuesday on North Shore at the same time. Yeah. And we were training together. Mm-hmm. Never met you before in my life. And uh, we were sitting in that sitting in that little office at the Ruby Tuesday on North Shore, which is now a corner 16. And we were watching training videos together. And I don't know why we, I don't know why we hit it off. Maybe, you know, maybe when you're captive, you just just become close. You remember what we did though, is we turned on a uh, Tennessee basketball game in the room and watched that instead of the training. (laughs) Yeah, I think we did. (laughs) I mean, I remember watching the game. I forgot that we neglected to do what we were there to do. We were perfect for Ruby Tuesdays, man. But we worked there for the better part of a summer, or was it? Yeah, a summer? I think it was a, or was it a, a semester yeah. of school or something like that. Because I had, maybe I had quit quit going to UT. But anyway, oh yeah, all my buddies were still at UT, so you and I were working at Ruby Tuesday and then going to hang out with my buddies downtown. That were in college. We were going to college parties. That's right. After after working our our jobs, but then uh, like we got super tight over that like six months or so, and mm-hmm. then and then I I decided I was going to move to LA. And, um, I hit, I hit the road and and went out there for like, I don't know. I was, I was out there for a month or so, but, uh, you came out to visit, I think like two or three weeks in and we'd been hanging out like nonstop for, for six months. And I I don't know if it was like your second or third day there. You're like, I'm going to go home and sell my lawn business and move here. (laughs) I was like, dude. It's fine with me. <laughs> we'll find a place together out here. So I think I was only there about a month without you. You did exactly what you said you were going to do. I you did. went home. I went right home and sold my lawn business <laughs> and, and moved to Los Angeles. Yeah, that time's kind of fuzzy, right? When you got there, but like you weren't working in TV right away. Mm-mm. You're doing all kinds of crazy, dude. You did some crazy stuff. You fixed cell phones. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I got crazy jobs. I was just trying to get a paycheck. Yeah. Yeah. I worked at a, I fixed cell phones. Yeah. I did uh door to door coupon sales. Oh man. Oh man. It was brutal. We were living in Eagle Rock. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. So that's like up in Northeast Los Angeles near like Pasadena and all mm-hmm. that. You were working in Pasadena. Yep. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> and I was like coming to the point where, I was going to have to go home because I was running out of money. Yeah. Or I have to find a job that was actually going to pay me a living wage here, you know? And yeah, it, basically the last minute got that my first PA job. Yeah. That was, um, I remember it was New Year's Eve in, uh, I forget what year it was. I think it was 2004. And our lease was up on New Year's Eve. And I remember we packed everything that both of us owned in Los Angeles and put it in a Mazda 929. Was it 929? 626. It was a 626. It was smaller. Yeah. Yeah. We put it all in a Mazda 626, and we went and moved in with a girl I was dating. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I slept on the couch. Yeah, we didn't have anywhere else to go. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think it wasn't, I don't know, it wasn't too long. That living situation didn't really work out. L.A. is a tough place to live in tight quarters with three people. Mm -hmm. Lots of stressors on the outside. Yeah. Yeah, it gets tough between the walls. You, You moved out pretty quick, and then we got another place together right at the foot of the Hollywood sign. Yeah. So Gower on Gower Fountain and Gower next to Sunset Gower Studios, like a block south. There was a point in my my, uh, in my production career when I walked to work in Los Angeles, and it's when we lived in that house. Me too. Yeah, you did. Yeah, and you worked at Fountain Gower Studios. I worked at uh, HPC Hollywood Production Center on Gower and Santa Monica. Okay, so it was like a block or two away. Yeah. Was that on Extreme Makeover? Yeah. So how did you get your how did you get your first gig? Like I vaguely remember it just from like I don't know from from retelling myself the story. Over um, the years. it was a friend of that girl that we lived with. Oh really, Rebecca? Oh yeah. And um, yeah yeah. She offered you a, the job, or she was like looking for somebody, and she asked you if you'd be interested. And um, your car wasn't your working. truck or wasn't working or something. <laughs> you had to have a car. Um, so she was like, she was like, how about you or whatever? So, yeah. I'll so, you, so you, t- you took my job. Yeah. I took your job. She got me my first PA gig too. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. This is not all bad. No. And then it was that on the extreme makeover. No, that was on, um, oh man. Some cable show. Some, yeah. I can't remember. And then how did you, how did you get from there into more gigs? Well, the uh, post soup took me on. He just went from show to show. He worked. He worked constantly and just took me on, on every show he did. Um, because he pretty much are a runner for that for him. Yeah. You know? Found found a guy that he knew he could trust. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's great, man. It's just I I think about it because I'm so like every time I look at what you're doing now and. We talk about it. I'm so excited for you because it's such cool work that you're getting to do. And I remember how hard you worked to get there too. And it and it was just it it was done through through hard work and and being a solid person. Um, but you also, I mean, you picked you picked it up. You knew what you wanted, and then you just kind of took off with it. You put mm-hmm. your nose down, did it, and. I don't know. It pisses me off when people say that you know, oh, I just can't catch a break, and it's like, well. Me and Josh were living pretty much out of a car and he figured out a way to, you know, <laughs> to work his way up and just like, it, it, it's a good, it's a good story. And I know that you worked hard for it and it's, um, I don't know. Every time I look at, whenever I think about it, I'm just so excited for you. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, dude. Um, so you live in, in Venice, right? Mm-hmm. You dig it? I do. Yeah. Venice, think- Santa Monica border. Yeah. Yeah. You dig the West Side? I do. Yeah. I didn't love Los Angeles until I moved to the West Side. It's like really? a different world. I mean, wh- where all did you live? We lived in, in Hollywood mm-hmm. together. Where'd you live after I moved? Uh, Silver Lake. Mm. And then I did like the Fairfax area for a while. Oh, yeah. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And then it was West Side. After that? Yeah. Venice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's cool that you're on the you're on the border of Venice and, and Santa Monica because mm-hmm. you have the a, a good 
uh, balance of weird. Yeah. <laughs> and like kind of high end too. Like Santa Monica's fancy. Yeah. You go one way, it's like pristine trimmed grass, like yeah. well manicured everything, parks. And you turn the other way and go into Venice and it's graffiti on palm trees. Yeah. And everything. <laughs> on, it's crazy. <laughs> Venice boardwalk. Yeah. So. I, I mean, you can. You, you can walk to the boardwalk from your house and a mm-hmm. hundred steps. Mm-hmm. Has there been a, a an influx of like tech companies and stuff moving to yeah. Venice? Mm-hmm. I've heard about that. I heard about a, some that moved there. Yeah, a, a few years ago. Mm-hmm. What was it? There Google was one there a and, boom. Um, Snapchat, I think. Google and Snapchat mm-hmm. opened up some headquarters there. Mm-hmm. Moved some people into town. Mm-hmm. Okay. I remember it, it gets there, there's a few more every time I come to visit you, there's a few more um, foodie restaurants yes. nearby, yeah. you know, towards the Venice side of your place. Mm-hmm. Every, every time I come in, it's like it's getting a, it's getting a little Santa Monica bleed over. Yeah. 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 Everything's changing. Like all the old restaurants are getting bought out, it seems like. Yeah. And yeah, new nice restaurants. But you dig L.A. I do. How long did that take? Um, I mean, we had a rough go, like where we were living and all that when we yeah. were there together. Like it, it, we didn't live in nice places. We didn't even know the nice neighborhoods to live in. We were scraping by. I think once probably what changed it for me is working on Extreme Home Makeover, where I made a ton of like lifelong friendships. Because mm. it's like most of these shows are for anywhere from three to six months, and then you're on to no, you know something else with a new crew. It's like always a rotating group of people that you work with um but that show was like a family because we were all there for years yeah um because you said it was like a full-time job kind of yeah because it ran all year Mm -hmm. and there were some really guys that i'll be friends with forever right worked on that show with well and you thank you thank you for getting me hired on that show too because you you got me a a post job Mm -hmm. as as a tape runner uh one summer yeah i came out and stayed with you and uh and I, f- I flew from from L.A. to wherever they were shooting Extreme Home Extreme Makeover Home Edition, grabbing a duffel bag full of the tapes that came out of the camera and putting them in my overhead bin and flying them back to L.A. Yeah. That was crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it, it was nuts. That was a job, yeah. That was a job. <laughs> uh, it, but it was fun. I, I enjoyed it. It was just I was by myself all the time, flying all over the country. I mean, I, I think in that summer I did 50,000 miles worth of flying just back and forth you know three or four times a week and uh i i got to i got to look into your into your world a little bit and see and meet your your buddies the post coordinator on that the post supervisor mm-hmm. on all that like it seems like you guys were real tight yeah and so so you think it you think it took like finding a family out there to yeah. where you started to really enjoy it because mm-hmm. you're a family dude like you you're super close with your with your folks yeah you know i feel like you're my my brother absolutely like <laughs> I, I'm sure that that's a part that was missing. It was, yeah. Was not having a crew. Yeah, and it's still hard to be away so far away from family. Yeah. We still talk about moving back all the time, you know. But, um, but yeah, it took finding a family out there to to start liking it, I guess. To, really? Yeah, to feel at home. Yeah. And, and is that right about when you moved to Venice? I mean, I worked on Makeover for a while before I moved to Venice. Um, but certainly, 
moving to Venice, like if I hadn't loved Venice, I don't know how much longer I would have lasted in Los Angeles. Really? I mean, I was kind of at, yeah, at a crossroads probably. You lived in a bunch of different neighborhoods. Right. So finally landed on the weird one. Right. Realized you were at home. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when you bought that place, dude. Sweet. Yeah. Came to visit you for the first time. It's like, man, my man Josh has got it going on. <laughs> and uh, you've stayed in the same spot. Mm-hmm. S- super cool. Got a new, upgraded, went a yeah. floor up. Yeah. <laughs> went a floor up, got a bigger spot. Yeah. Make room for the little one. Yeah. Being a dad, working out mm-hmm. in LA. Yeah. I always thought that like having a dog in LA was hard. Yeah. Like, I, I can't. I, I'm always amazed at people that have children in Los Angeles just because, I mean, in my, my vantage point is being 20 years old and how hard it was to live there mm-hmm. at, at that age. Um, I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's just as hard <laughs> for, for people who have their shit together, yeah, <laughs> but is. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a tough spot. And if you don't live close to work, you're driving a lot. Right. So, you know, doggy daycare is $50 a Fifty dollars a whack. I did that for so long. Did you put my dog in daycare, drive, drop her off at daycare every day, every day, and go to work? Yeah, because my our hours are so long. It's like you can't just leave a dog for that long. Do you work ten hours a day every day? Mm-hmm. So you get there, work ten hours, go home for most jobs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a long work day. Yeah. Is it hard to stay focused? Yeah, I mean, it's you. You. Um, have to condition yourself to be able to do it. It's like not something you're going to step in and be able to focus for that long. Like you have to like, like if I step away for a few weeks and go back, it takes me a f- half a week to get back into the flow of it. I mean, it's really? like, does it ever feel like you've got all this footage and it's just like a, an insurmountable task that yeah. you have before you? Yeah. Or just like, yeah. Going through raw footage, man, can be tiresome. Really? Yeah. Is that when it helps to have a producer that's gone through and yes. mar- marks d- which time is, code for you and paper cut? Which these days is mostly the case. That's Usually good. you'll have something to start with. Well, that's a step closer to scripted work, you know, mm-hmm. like already having the building blocks kind of figured out for you. Right. Right. Seems like it. Well, I, uh, I love that you've, that you've fallen in love with Los Angeles because I like it a lot more now visiting coming to see you yeah. than, than I, than I did when we, when we were scraping by. Right. Right. It's yeah. I live a different lifestyle now. <laughs> <laughs> what made you want to, what made you want to pick up and move? Like what from, from Knoxville to somewhere else that you didn't really. Well, I mean, I couldn't, I was like lost in life. Like I didn't know what I wanted to do for a living. Which is why we met each other waiting tables at yeah. the cl- closest restaurant to our house. Right. And yeah. and I had like gone to UT for three years and changed my major three times just based off people, what people told me I should be because of what my personality, what they perceived my personality mm-hmm. to be. But none of them, you know. Were the right fit? Were the right fit. So... I would just, I was just ready to try something new and, and, you know, I just didn't like any of the directions I could see my life going at that point. Right. And, um, so when you moved out, it was just like, it was my chance to like try something, you know? Had you in your head given yourself like how long you were going to give it before, um, before you moved back? 
No, I kind of said the whole time that I was just going to like take it a day at a time and see see how it went, just try it out. And But you got pretty close to turning around. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those were tough jobs. I was working for no money and it's hard to like, you're not going to get a good job unless it's through somebody out there. You know, it's like, it's a tough place. It's a tough place to break into, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that it seems like you did it the right way and just, you took, you you saw a little bit of daylight Mm -hmm. and then just didn't let a good thing go or even let a bad thing go because who knows what could come out of it. Who knows who you might, you know, who you might meet. Did you ever work for the Grife company that, that place that I worked? I, uh, I did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I did like, uh, Man, I don't think I ever worked on a series for them as an editor, though. I really? think I did a little bit of PA work back then when you did. Okay. Because that was kind of my bread and butter. I had a staff job at a production company. Right, right. And it was – I didn't know what, what I was doing. I had no idea. You know, I just thought it would help my acting career. Right. You know, and, you know, working 10 to 12 hours a day for no money and being worn out and, you know, not making a lot of headway. That's bad for your acting career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't do much of it out there. I mean, I did a couple things here and there, but I didn't really have time to because it was working right. so much. I wish I could have done a little bit more. I did some on the weekends and things like that, but mm-hmm. that was a world that I never could get plugged into. And it seems like there's a lot of different industries in Los Angeles that if you it, you know just get plugged in once – and you might, you might, something might stick, but that's the, that's sometimes that's the hardest part is to find the, find the gap and slide in there. Mm-hmm. If you had, if, do you know more now? Uh, like if you saw some, if you saw somebody coming up that you thought was good, how would you, would you, what would you tell them to do? I mean, Somebody starting out as an editor that I thought yeah, was good. Somebody who thought they wanted to run through posts and make that a career. I mean, it's just so hard to give advice because everybody's everybody's like break comes differently. Mm. And there's not really a set way to do it other than what I did, which is work your way up. It's like I mean, there are of course editors that I've met that have just started editing. They were not an editor and they got an editing job somehow. So it happens different ways for everybody. But um, but you just know you just got to be around it. You got to yeah. So if you have to take assistant jobs, that's what you have to do. That's yeah. usually what you have to do starting out. Yeah. So uh, now that you're back in Knoxville, just hanging out for the holidays, you uh, has it changed a lot last? I mean, I haven't been out really. We've been at my parents' house. Okay. <laughs> with playing with uh, the kids, letting the kids play, yeah. all the cousins. So yeah. I haven't been downtown yet. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm still, it's been a few years. Yeah. I'm nervous. I'm nervous to see your mom because right before I moved to, to LA, I, uh, I sold your little brother, my drum set. <laughs> and I'm, and you know, for any parent that's ever lived with a drum set in the house, that shit's terrible, man. Yeah. It's loud. I'm sure your mom was pissed. Yeah. 
And then three weeks later, I got her. I got her other son to move out there yeah. with me. So I'm like, I'll she'll never forgive you for that. <laughs> your brother gave me four hundred bucks, and you yeah. and your mom got a drum set <laughs> out of it. Just makes a bunch of noise. <laughs> Dude, you you uh, you told me that you uh, well a couple of weeks ago on the podcast, I was talking about that SoFi Stadium in Los Angeles, the the like big five billion dollar mm-hmm. football stadium they built. You went there recently? I did. Is it as awesome as it looks? It's awesome, man. Yeah, it's so cool. What what I mean, what I see is like this palm tree filled oasis, mm-hmm. like outdoors. Concourse level is all outdoors, but there happens to be like this frosted roof over the top of it that lets daylight in. Yeah. And you're also in an open air stadium. Yeah. Is it that sweet? It's that sweet, dude. It's and the screen is incredible. Like you feel like it feels like you're outside there, which you know the weather's great. It's like I think it would even rain the night I went, but it's covered, so it's like it, it feels great. It's awesome. It's a beautiful stadium. Yeah, I was talking to Mike McGill about it a couple of weeks ago, and it's just like the things they're doing now. Paradise is coming, man. <laughs> All of it, and then they just renamed the Staples Center what is it crypto.com or or whatever that doesn't feel right does Does not it's been the staples center ever since we were going to games yeah in 2004 or 5 Mm -hmm. it's been 20 years yeah yeah i was shocked yeah have you been to any lakers games recently not recently seen lebron play no you ever get out and about what do you do in la if you're trying to get out and about i mean we go uh all the restaurants like have outdoor seating now like they all turned their curbsides into patios so we got to eat sit outside a lot um but but really we haven't done much with covid it's like yeah got shut down pretty hard yeah early on yeah um we were watching the football game earlier and it said that uh what 96 players tested positive in the nfl today which is twice as many as they have had test positive to date so far for covid wow so, so it's twice as much la reacted quickly though when when everything came down mm-hmm. i was worried about you guys for a minute because it was super shut down yeah were you, were you guys scared to leave the house um yeah we were we didn't do anything we uh had a, you know had john he was super young so we were we're just we were very careful we just didn't see anybody we didn't you know we had our we both worked from home had our nanny and that was it like we didn't see megan you know my wife's family the whole wow. time even that people that close to you you didn't mm-hmm. go see them Mm-mm. and they don't live that far away right right uh what about groceries grocery delivery or something yeah okay started doing grocery delivery dude that is an isolated lifestyle yeah what what did the Venice boardwalk look like? Ghost town? Dude, it was uh like they kind of like stopped enforcing they basically let all the homeless people move onto the beach and there was like permanent encampments really covering the um the area between the boardwalk and the bike path. Really? Yeah, so the it was strand? like dangerous like you never you, we never walked down there. Really? Yeah. Because it was homeless camps. Right. On on the Venice Beach boardwalk. Yeah. Okay, so you've got like in between the boardwalk, which if people haven't been there before, it faces the ocean, mm-hmm. but it's like a 50-foot wide boardwalk, concrete boardwalk. You walk down, and then 
there's sand in between that, and then there's the strand, that famous like bike path mm-hmm. that winds through the the beaches from Santa Monica all the way down to the airport, pretty much, right? Yeah. So that whole area was filled with uh, with homeless encampments. Yeah, the whole Venice section portion, the Venice boardwalk portion. Yeah, and they weren't doing anything about it. Right. They weren't. They weren't making them leave because it was COVID and. Wow. They just stopped enforcing it and everything was shut down anyway. So, but it was just right in front of our house and we had a new baby and it's not, you know, so it, was, it doesn't did, feel safe. Right. It didn't feel safe to go outside. Right. Is that where, I mean, you like walk your dog down there and stuff, right? right. At night. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's kind of shady. Mm-hmm. Have they cleaned that up? They have completely cleaned it up. Yeah. Where did everybody go? Um, I heard they had found a lot of apartment housing to put people in, off to offer people. Um, I think they probably gave them options of places to go, but just made them leave that area. Yeah, anywhere but here. I, right. Yeah, I heard that the uh, that the regulations became pretty lax, and they were just letting people camp anywhere. Yeah, that's that's. I mean, it's like people got to have a place to go, but there's the NIMBY, the not in my backyard, right? <laughs> philosophy that's right. so hard. Yeah, you know, to to deal with, but it really hits home if you know you feel unsafe going outside because there's a thousand, you know, homeless folks and no police around. Right. <laughs> you know. Totally. Yeah. It's, it's a different story. Yeah. Um. Well, is everything back to normal? Pretty much. Um, still outside, dining and all that. Yeah. But yeah, our lives are pretty... The one thing that's changed is that we work... Our jobs are work from home, which is a game changer. How does that work with all the footage that you have to deal with? Like, those it's, are big file sizes that you have to push and pull around. I just mirror uh, the office. So you just... You're driving system. a remote workstation. Yeah. So there's a hard there's a, a server room plugged into a computer in an office somewhere, yeah. And then you're remoting in, yeah, and just driving the edit software mm-hmm. from your office, yeah. Okay, is it pretty quick? Yeah. Is it the same experience? Yeah. Because it, that can throw you off. Quick I mean, it when, can like you you can have lagging like with poor internet or, um, or for you know other reasons, but um. You know, it can certainly slow down, but now it's just getting better and better the the longer, the more they can get it figured out. You know, it's like, it was pretty rocky at the beginning, but now all, you know, all the software has gotten so much better now that everybody's doing it. Yeah. And do you think it's going to stick? I do. Really? So you think we're going to, we're looking at remote edits? I have, I mean, all of my colleagues, like are are saying that they'll work from home as long for as long as they possibly can. What's going to happen is like some, some shows do want people to work in the office, but it's like, and some people do prefer to work in the office. Um, but some people like myself have fallen in love with working from home and are, and that's my number one criteria for a job at this point. Really? Yeah, absolutely. I, I want to work from home. So, you, and you'll be able to pick and choose that as you move yeah. forward. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you think you think that's here to stay? I do now because okay. now all the companies are equipped to do it, and um, if the most talented people that you want to work on your show don't feel comfortable, don't want to come to tell you this is what they want to do, you have the choice, sure, to give them that option or and if hire you're the- somebody else, and some people will hire somebody else, but but I think enough shows will just continue to let 
the people that they want do what they want, you know? Right. And if you want to be a warm body in an office with a producer, then there's jobs out there that require that. So those jobs are available too. Mm -hmm. It seems like the marketplace might just work itself out to where the amount of jo- like, oh, I just can't find remote editors anymore. I'm going to have to, you know, they must all be back to work or whatever. Right. Like they just pull people in that want to be there. So does this mean with remote workflows and things like that, does that mean that you could live anywhere? It does. Yeah. Do you, are you worried that not having FaceTime with the people who hire you will keep you from, from getting gigs if you were to move somewhere else? I do. I think eventually, I mean, it's hard to say cause, but yeah, I mean, everything changes, people change, people go off and do other things. So it's like without being there to show face, I would say eventually I would probably want if, if I were to move to Knoxville, for example, I would want to start transitioning to working at least some portion of my jobs here. Yeah. Like getting some, getting some gigs with companies here. Mm-hmm. They're around, dude. Yeah. You're on Avid, right? Yep. Yeah. So there, I mean, there's, there's plenty of unscripted work happening here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I wonder if you could maintain like a, a, a constant connection with the West coast. If you, you know, continue to get hired on those jobs that you built, you know, you've built these, these inroads for 15 years now. Right. And so that's like, in a lot of ways, that's the biggest asset you have for your career. Yeah. And if that goes away, it's, it looks a lot different. Mm-hmm. So yeah, diversifying, putting your eggs in a couple different baskets sounds like a good, yeah. good deal. And then maybe ultimately wean yourself off if you wanted to, but it seems like a good time to do it too. Yeah. You know, when people are in the, in the space, in the mindset of not having to have an editor sitting right next to them. Right. Makes good sense. Yeah. And I, plenty of people have done it. Really? Yeah. Okay. So it's, there's starting to be a lot of editors that have left. Yeah. Did you meet your wife on a job? I did. The okay. show I mentioned that I worked for a year on the first episode. She was my producer on that episode. So we worked together for a long time. And she was in the edit bay with you? Mm-hmm. A little, little romance bread in the <laughs> in front of the in front of the avid. That's crazy. That's funny, dude. It's Hollywood. Uh that's Hollywood storyline right there. Yeah. That's how you draw it up. Yeah, it was a dating show. We we were one of the couples that made it. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. You happen you happen to get get uh, extended because your couple kept going. Yeah. <laughs> That's great. I mean, it's a sign. It's a sign from God <laughs> at that point. Uh, what's what's she do? She's a producer. Yes. What kind? She is um, unscripted producer. She's she's a co EP right now on a Lifetime show. Okay. So, what's, so she does post only. She works from home. Okay. On this show. I mean, some some shows she does field. Okay. Our show's back to shooting and she's getting out in the field a little bit? Or? She hasn't. She's been doing posts. Now that we have a child, she wants to work from home exclusively. So Are her days as crazy as yours? Worse. Worse? Yeah. Okay. Just um, longer? Never yeah. Phone never quits ringing? Right. She works late nights yeah all the time weekends all the time what's the boundaries thing like is it hard to set boundaries if you're... It, it, it is yeah for certainly for her i mean or more so i mean she has a just a demanding job yeah and if 
you have EP in your title, right? They're paying you for the stress, right? <laughs> they're paying yeah. you to have that burden. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's her? Does she have a, a a path that she is looking at? I mean, I feel like you guys should do something together. Yeah, we. I mean, we've done projects together, but we should. We've talked about trying to do something. What would make sense our, on our own? Yeah, like a a post house or like a like post production services. Yeah, it's just getting so congested with companies. We should have done it that done it ten years ago, before we knew each other. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what what does that look like? What do those companies do? It's just a competitive. Like it's unless you can get a show to stick, you see a lot of companies come and go. Really. Mm-hmm. Because they have ideas that they sink all their resources into and nothing happens and they're sunk. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You just have to have constant workflow and that's can be hard to come by starting out. You, like cash flow? Yeah. Like coming in? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's really tough. And it's not like you can really moonlight either if you're working every waking hour. Right. It's the same predicament I was in uh, with the acting thing. That right. We, that we talked about. Yeah. Dude, we got to talk about the orbit. Oh yeah, the orbit. <laughs> Youth hostel I lived in for a few weeks, and maybe the only gringo to ever <laughs> to ever darken the door or be able to live there. Like they, so the orbit is like, I mean, it's legit like midterm housing for people from Europe who want to come over, mm-hmm. people from other countries who can stay they want to stay as long as their visa and they pay 20 bucks a night to stay at the orbit but we had a buddy marco who hooked us up with that with that place because he was staying there right Mm -hmm. so he was our roommate for a minute right and then when we all split up i think you and i moved to hollywood he didn't really have anywhere to go he moved to moved to the hostel yeah and then we were going over there and hanging out with him Entering the pool tournament at the at the <laughs> yeah. hostel on Monday nights, <laughs> hanging out with all the people from out from other countries. Yeah, so fun. Yeah, and then when uh, and then bef- when we were in the in between times, when I was staying with the girl, you uh, you you laid down roots at the orbit for a minute. I did, yeah. While and we were looking for a place, and they didn't let people f- that weren't from other countries stay there. Right. Why'd they let you? Just because you're. Um... I think just Marco talked him into it. Like Marco was a sweet talker God. and he, uh, he, he just got him to let me stay there. So Marco, who we saw a couple of years ago in New York, mm-hmm. he lives in New York. Now you and I went and, uh, we were up there for new years one year and we, we somehow looked Marco up because he's a hard dude to find. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but speaking of him being a sweet talker, dude, I don't know. I'm glad he's not a serial killer because <laughs> the first day that I met Marco, it was in our acting class in North Hollywood. Mm-hmm. And he was like, yeah, I took a cab up here from Orange County and it was $250. And I was like, dude, that is ridiculous. I was like, you just need to stay with me. And and we're 20 minutes. I'll just bring you here every day. And he's like, cool. And then like the next day, he took another $250 cab up with all his stuff <laughs> And he was moved into the apartment that I was staying in. And was that was that before you had moved out? Yeah, that was in between when I came. Because you weren't, he didn't live with you yet when I came out. But then when I got here, he was living with you. Yeah. So when you came out, I was living in West LA, like Beverly Hills adjacent. 
in a, a sublet that we mm-hmm. found off Craigslist with this uh, girl named Pace Snelling from uh, from she went to college with one of my friends and uh, just met her somehow and she was like you want to move to LA and I was like yeah she's like all right I got this place to stay for a month uh, and that's where we were when you came out and visited and then when you came back I had moved to Eagle Rock and was living there in a another sublet and uh, I, and Marco had I, I I had picked up Marco by then. So there were three of us living in a one bedroom in Eagle Rock. Yeah. Dude, killing it is what we were doing. Yeah. That was fun, dude. That, that was really fun. That was really fun. Uh, but uh, Mar- Marco is from Serbia, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So Eastern European dude. Uh, but he, so his family was Serbian, but he had lived in Geneva in Switzerland. Mm-hmm. And dude, I'll never know the stories Marco told me, like, where they where they stop being true, you know, because he could embellish the shit out of some yeah, stuff. Yeah. But uh uh he worked in the banking industry in Geneva, which is a big bank banking center mm-hmm. or whatever. He spoke I, I heard him speak Italian, uh Serbian with his parents, um French. I I, I heard him speak at least four or five languages on the phone. Like the dude the dude was was out there and smart. I'm talking about him like he's dead, but uh, he ended up being our roll dog, man. Yeah. He was our buddy for yeah. for a minute, and then he got you plugged in at the at the hostel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he got you worked right in there. <laughs> yeah. yeah, well, right. So so you got kicked out of the girl's house that we were living in together first, and mm-hmm. then I got kicked out shortly after. His only time I ever slept in my car in my life was uh, that night in the Ralph's parking lot, Marina Del Rey. And then the next day you and I moved into that uh, apartment in Hollywood with the red carpets, yep. which will forever go down in history. as <laughs> one of the grossest places anybody's <laughs> ever lived. <laughs> oh man. But what, a, what a, uh, what a way, like what, I mean, if you're living with somebody else's, you know, off the kindness of somebody else, that's a step up. Yeah. Made a little, Step up and kept moving. Yeah. Did you stay in that apartment after I moved home? Not for long if I did at all. Yeah. I moved in with Marco again after that. You did? Yeah. (laughs) And then, yeah. And then an Australian guy. Evan? Evan, yeah. Yeah. I I remember they were already living together and I moved in with them maybe. Okay. Dude, I love it, man. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's a wild ride. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And I'm glad that uh I'm glad that it's been on the up swing for you for quite some time now. Thanks, man. I'm really really pumped for you and, you know, I like coming out to visit and having a super nice place to stay. Yeah. So keep it up. Yeah. Come back soon, dude. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you for for doing this, man. I know we we talked about it right when I started the podcast. And uh I'm I'm glad that we Two years later, made it made it swing around. Me too, man. Thank you for having it me. It happened, dude. I love you, and I'll see you real soon. Sounds great. All right. How was it? How'd we do? Now you know a few little secrets about me and my man, Josh. The old days. Being penniless and lost thousands of miles from home. But I hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll catch you next week, all right? Y'all be good. Take care of each other. Take care of yourselves. Pitchwire, play me out. <laughs>